0: Welcome to Condensed Matter, condensing recent work in metaphysics, and the philosophy of science, down to what matters. I'm your host, Sam kenton This episode is about Sam Cowling's paper, The Limits of Modality published in the Philosophical Quarterly in 2011. So admittedly, this isn't that recent, but it strikes me as an important and maybe underappreciated and undersighted paper. I came across the paper while reading Brad Skoe's much more recent work on the moodless theory of modality. So maybe I'll do an episode on Skoe soon as well. Propositions such as grass is green, water is H2O, snow is blue, are either true or false. Some philosophers think that there are propositions which are neither true nor false, but I think it's fair to say that these philosophers are very much in the minority. In addition to having truth values, i.e. being either true or false, propositions also have modal profiles. It's true that grass is green, but we might say that this is contingently true, i.e. it's possibly false that grass is green, because it could have been the case that grass was red had the plant evolved differently, for example. The contingency of grass is green is the proposition's modal profile. You might disagree and think that it's necessary that grass is green, perhaps because you think that any plant with a sufficiently different evolutionary history to not be green just wouldn't count as grass. But what seems more likely to be agreed on is that the proposition grass is green is either contingent or necessary. It has to be one or the other. It can't be neither contingent nor necessary. This just strikes many as obvious in the same way that it seems obvious that any given proposition must be either true or false. But in this paper, Sam Cowling challenges the obvious seeming view that all propositions have a modal profile, what he calls modal generalism, and defends a-modalism, the view that there are some true propositions that are neither contingently true nor necessarily true, but are just true simpliciter. Cowling's argument proceeds by showing how amodalism provides responses to various objections to an account of modality in terms of possible worlds, whether those worlds are concrete or abstract. Cowling then responds to objections according to which amodalism threatens modal logic and semantics. So an account of modality in terms of possible worlds says, roughly, that possibility is a matter of truth in some possible world, and necessity is truth in all possible worlds. So let's consider some arguments against possible worlds and how a modalism can help the possible world's theorist to respond. The first kind of objection targets the idea that possible worlds can be used to reduce modal concepts, such as possibility and necessity, to non-modal concepts. The classic example of this attempted reduction is David Lewis's modal realism. According to Lewisian modal realism, there exists a plethora of other possible worlds which are concrete entities, just like our own world, but which are all spatiotemporally disconnected from each other. Possibility on this view reduces to truth in some world, and necessity reduces to truth in all worlds. So for it to be possible that grass is red is for there to be some world in which grass is red. For it to be necessary that water is H2O, it's for it to be the case that water is H2O in all worlds. So far, so good, if you can swallow the idea that there exists a multiverse of concrete possible worlds. But now, if we ask the possible worlds theorist a question like, could there have been more possible worlds than there in fact are? They can't answer, because if they answer no and say that it's necessary that there are no more possible worlds than there are, this seems to be a case in which facts of modality are constraining facts about the space of worlds. And if they answer yes, and say that there could have been more possible worlds, this seems like a possibility that is similarly not accounted for in terms of the space of worlds we have. Either way... Answering this question requires the possible worlds theorist to concede that there are modal facts that are not parasitic on or reducible to facts about the space of worlds, rather, modal facts seem to determine the space of worlds. In general, anyone who wants to reduce modality to facts about the space of Possible worlds lacks the resources to analyze modal claims about the space of possible worlds itself. This is sometimes called the problem of advanced modalizing because the problematic modal propositions are about modal space itself. The obvious response, well, obvious given what we've said this paper is about deny that the problematic propositions about the space of possible worlds have modal profiles. So a true proposition, such as there are exactly n many possible worlds, is neither necessary nor contingent according to this response. And since these propositions don't have a modal profile, the possible worlds theorist does not need to provide a reductive account of that modal profile in terms of facts about worlds, which is handy because this is exactly what the objection shows them unable to do. There are other advanced modalizing problems, but the thought is that they can all be avoided by embracing a modalism because then the problematic propositions can simply be said to have no modal profile. Not all possible worlds theorists aspire to reduce modal concepts to non-modal ones. Some take possible worlds to be abstract objects, such as propositions, properties, or sets which represent possibilities. Since worlds on this type of view are not concrete like ours, we can call them ersatz possible worlds theories. ersatz views aren't reductive because they must invoke modal notions, typically consistency, in their characterization of worlds. They might say, for example, that a possible world is a maximal consistent set of propositions. A classic objection to ersatz possible worlds is that it's a mystery why we should think that a given world, e.g. a set of propositions, represents one possibility rather than another. The objection can be made a bit more precise as follows. So take a given abstract possible world, a set of propositions or whatever, assume that this possible world is supposed to represent the possibility that grass is red. Why does this possible world represent the possibility that grass is red? Is it possible that it represented the possibility that grass is blue instead? If so, then why should we say that it really does represent the possibility that grass is red? If it's necessary that it represents the possibility that grass is red and not the possibility that grass is blue, why is this so? The link between representation and represented seems mysterious. Again, this problem seems to arise out of asking about the modal profile of a proposition. We ask whether it's necessary or contingent that an abstract possible world represents the possibility that it is said to in fact represent, and either answer leads somewhere uncomfortable. According to Cowling, this is another opportunity for amodalism to shine. Just deny that propositions about which possibilities are represented by a possible world have any modal status. If we cannot ask whether it's necessary or contingent that the possible world in question represents the possibility that grass is red, the worry seems to just not get off the ground. Okay, so we've seen how amodalism, that is the view that at least some propositions have no modal profile, they are neither contingent nor necessary, possible nor impossible, can help those who account for modality in terms of possible worlds, be they concrete or abstract. But amodalism seems to directly conflict with modal logic. According to the T-axiom of modal logic, from any true proposition, P, we can infer possibly P. So if it's true that grass is green, then it's possible that grass is green if it's true that water is h2o then it's possible that water is h2o and so on it seems then that any true a-modal proposition such as that there are exactly n many possible worlds is automatically also possibly true by the t axiom and hence has a modal profile after all so we now seem forced to choose between a-modalism and standard modal logic which includes the t axiom Cowling's response to this objection is to say that modal logic just doesn't apply to amodal propositions. Modal logic is about modal propositions. Amodal ones just aren't within its scope. So it's not that amodal propositions falsify standard modal logic, rather it's just not appropriate to apply modal logic to reasoning involving amodal propositions. So according to amodalism, certain propositions lack a modal profile. Typical examples will be propositions about modal space itself, such as, there are exactly 17 possible worlds. But I can say, there could have been exactly 17 possible worlds, and this seems meaningful, and I can be understood by others when I say this. As mentioned, this is an example of a so-called advanced modal claim, because it's about the modal status of modal space itself. How, then, is the a-modalist to make sense of the apparent content and meaningfulness of advanced modal discourse? Cowling rejects the option of an error theory according to which all advanced modal claims are vacuously false. So, in short, the problem here is that deeming all advanced modal claims false would cause serious problems for the interdefinability of the modal operators. Cowling also rejects the option of deeming all advanced modal discourse meaningless because doing so would make a mystery of the fact that we seem perfectly capable of reasoning, discussing, and disagreeing about advanced modal claims. So instead, Cowling opts to provide a novel semantic theory that allows a modalists to engage in advanced modal discourse while still retaining their commitment to a metaphysics according to which propositions about modal space do not in fact have any modal profile. I'll omit the technical details of this semantics, but suffice it to note that it achieves its goal of allowing amodalists to engage in advanced modal discourse while still retaining their commitment to an amodalist metaphysics, only at the cost of being really quite inelegant and complicated compared to the standard possible world semantics. It also ends up treating amodal truths as necessities and amodal falsehoods as impossibilities, which is quite counterintuitive. Finally, One might simply wonder whether amodalism is really conceptually coherent at all. One might think that to maintain that there are some truths that are neither necessary nor contingent is just to be in some state of conceptual confusion about the relevant notions of necessity, contingency and truth. But Cowling worries that this sort of objection is just likely to lead to a stalemate. Furthermore, Cowling argues that possible worlds theorists are in good company regarding their commitment to amodal truths, For example, those who maintain that all putatively modal facts are ultimately facts about linguistic convention, the modal conventionalists, see episode 29, must think that there are amodal propositions, for example, in cases where there simply are no linguistic conventions to fix the modal facts. So to sum up, Cowling shows that amodalism provides promising responses to problems for accounts of modality in terms of possible worlds. The apparent conflict with modal logic is only apparent because modal logic should not be understood as being about the inferential relations between amodal propositions, and Cowling argues that there is a viable, albeit unlovely, semantics that allows the amodalist to meaningfully engage in advanced modal discourse while retaining their amodal metaphysics in light of this detailed defence of amodalism, including the description of its theoretical role in possible worlds accounts of modality, it would seem a bit of a stretch to simply deem amodalism incoherent. At least doing so wouldn't advance the present debate. So how could we object to amodalism if not via a knee-jerk dismissal of the view as incoherent? Well, Cowling's arguments would seem to carry little to no weight for anyone not interested in defending an account of the metaphysics of modality in terms of possible worlds. So if you had independent reasons for preferring, say, a powers-based account of modality, then this could be leveraged as a more nuanced argument against amodalism. But I do wonder if a debate between, say, powers theorists and possible worlds theorists might ultimately be shown to boil down to intuitions about the coherence of amodalism. And as Cowling himself admits, the semantics required by a modalism is clunky and complicated and delivers counterintuitive results. One might then leverage this into a theoretical utility argument against a modalism, and actually hence against possible worlds theories of modality, which do, admittedly, seem to require supplementation with a modalism. All things considered, then, It's beginning to look as if possible world's theories just aren't as elegant and theoretically virtuous as was once believed by many philosophers. Thanks for listening to Condensed Matter. Please rate and review the show on your favourite app so that more people can find it. There's also a link to the show's Patreon page in the episode notes. Your support will help towards the costs associated with hosting and production and will lead to improvements in your future listening experience. Patrons of the show will also get the chance to suggest articles and guests for future episodes.